Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's Heidi Fang here, and today I'm joined with our friend of the program, Miles Simmons. He's a writer for Pro Football Talk and on PFT Live and the Peter King podcast. Miles is so big time now. I'm just lucky and fortunate that he still comes down to visit me. Miles, thank you for coming on today. Man, get out of here. Uh, you know, don't, don't <laughs> act like I'm too big for any britches or anything like that. Uh, I always got time for you, Heidi. You know uh, that. I Always. Love it. I got a foot cramp right then. So that was my payback in the karmatic world of making those kinds of jokes. <laughs> uh, as we uh, get started here, I want to remind everybody to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Also, we are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today. And we're also presented to you by Blue Wire Podcast and Liquid Death. That's right. Liquid Death. Water in aluminum cans. They look like 40s or tall boys. I don't know what you want to call it, Miles, but it's like big cans of water. They're new things. I'm interested. I'm yeah, you got to go check them out. Check them out. Yeah. Liquid Death. And you can find all the locations with liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Miles, let's get going here on the trades that happened in the NFL. It was a really busy time. And I wanted to get all of that kind of sorted out on the big winners and the big losers, why the Raiders didn't make any moves. So let's just start with the first part of that. The winners in the NFL trade deadline were miles. I would say that the Miami dolphins are a pretty big winner. I mean, anytime you're adding somebody like a Bradley Chubb who can rush the passer as he can, um, I, I think that's a really good move. And, you know, they, the, the dolphins are interesting because they've had this surplus of first round picks. And so it allows you to be a little more, aggressive in going after what you think you need. And I, honestly, though, I don't think that this necessarily makes them one of the best teams in the AFC, right? I mean, those two teams and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are still the best, but you, know, you if you're Miami, you got to say, what can we do to make ourselves great in every other area that we possibly can? And I think by doing this move, they, they've done something like that. I mean, you already have Tyree Kill, you have Jalen Waddle, you've done everything you can to make yourselves a productive offense um, in hiring Mike McDaniel and, you know, surrounding him with those guys. Um, but also now you can become a more elite defense if you have that guy that can really rush the passer. So if we're going to go with one particularly big winner, I would say it's them. And also, I mean, they they added Jeff Wilson running back from San Francisco. And, you know, Mike McDaniel, I think, is one of the best offensive run schemers in the National Football League. Um, so the fact that he adds somebody that is not only talented, but that he's already familiar with and that already knows that scheme and that already knows that system. I think that that sets them apart even more. That's something that's very interesting to me that you bring up Mike McDaniel and how well he's already clicking with this offense and how he's making it go. And it made me think about something that I saw on Twitter today about Josh McDaniels and the Raiders offense of, and I don't know how you feel about this. So I wanted to get your assessment is Josh McDaniels trying to make his offense work with the players as opposed to taking the players and working with what their best skill sets are, or, you know, 
uh, or is it somewhat like, you know, just not really realizing what you do have in your weapons and then not applying what you think could work best with them? I'm just trying to figure out after the Saints debacle what might be going on with this offense that really isn't clicking still. Well, it's interesting because you watched that game and it became clear that the Saints defense just had whatever number you want to say it was for Josh McDaniels, the Raiders, you know, Josh Jacobs. He comes into that game having rushed for at least 130 in three straight games. I mean, that's a terrific string for Josh Jacobs and better than anything he put together in 2019 when we all thought, and I you know, was covering the Raiders with you back then, that he could be the offensive rookie of the year, yeah. right? And he never had a string of games like that. So, I mean, to put that together and then to go down to New Orleans, I mean, at that, I was thinking going into that game, that this is where the Raiders are really going to start to take off, you know, that they are going to show that they really can be the second best team in the AFC West because it ain't the Broncos. And I don't think it's the chargers either. I, I don't really, I mean, the way that they've been playing lately has just been really disappointing. I think so for the Raiders to go down there and to perform as they did as poorly as they did, it, it's really, really bad. And I don't know if, I think it's so to actually answer your question, Heidi, I think it's basically all the above, right? You know, whenever you have a game where you got Derek Carthorne for 101 passing yards, Hunter Mm -hmm. Renfro's got one catch for six yards. Devontae Adams has one catch for three yards. You kidding me? What the hell? Like that's like, that's, that's not something that should happen. So I I think it's a combo of the schemes not working when it go, when you run up against something like that, and McDaniels, for whatever reason, it's not meshing um, with the players and what he's trying to do. By the way, it was really hard for my brain to say Mike McDaniel and then Josh McDaniels in the same sentence. It's hard for me every <laughs> single time. I, like Miami and the Raiders can't play each other as long as those two <laughs> are head coaches. Thank God they're not in the same division. My gosh. <laughs> Disaster. All right, so going back to the trade deadline, who do you think had the biggest missteps in making some of the trades that transpired on on to, uh, Tuesday? Sorry, I time-traveled a lot this week, so yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's wild. Um, You know, I people want to talk about the Packers and how they didn't get it done, you know, in terms of trying to trade for Chase Claypool. Allegedly, they were in on it. I uh, saw those, that reporting out of Green Bay. But the Steelers preferred to have the pick that came from um, Chicago for Chase Claypool in the second round than they would have um, for from Green Bay. And, you know, I, we can say that Green Bay did had did misstep. Right. I mean, I, I guess. But if you're the Packers, then what are you going to do? Are you going to then say, well, let's give up our one for Chase Claypool? I don't know. I mean, I. I, I understand why as a, as a, as an organization, their philosophy is to not do that. So that to me, like obviously the Packers need something, right? right? They need to be able to do something, but I understand why at a certain point, the price is too steep. It, it it's sort of similar to me with uh, the Rams and Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Right? They were in on it. I, I know that they thought that they were going to get Christian McCaffrey, but the Niners ended up offering a little bit more. And at a certain point, if you're the Rams and you look at your offense and you look at your offensive line, Christian McCaffrey's not going to be playing left tackle, right? He's not playing guard. 
He's not in the interior line where a lot of the issues are starting to stem from. So would he have made the Rams a lot better? Yes, obviously. But at a certain point, you have to look at what your holes are and you also have to look at what's around you. And you got to say, man, price is too steep because then what are we going to do next offseason when we really need to improve these different units? Right. I mean, the Packers, the, the Packers offensive problem at this point is an offseason problem. You can't solve it in season by making a trade for any one person. It's, you just you can't do it. You know, you have to solve it by overhauling your personnel in, in a bigger way. So I, I would say it is the Packers, but I understand why it's the Packers, if that makes sense. Right. And it does make complete sense. And, you know, you're seeing things too, like Aaron Rodgers is just now going to practice on Wednesdays where it hasn't been like a regular thing. He takes the veteran time, you know, so now he's like, yeah. okay, alert. We're all on alert. Let's go to well, practice. That, I mean, he's been dealing, he's been dealing with a thumb injury too, Heidi. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, and his yards per attempt is, and I was just writing about this, which is why I can sort of spout it off. That's but good. He was, no, he, please spout. His yards per attempt was down to 6.1 or something like that, 6.0, 6.1 over the last three games that he's been dealing with this thumb injury. So it's not – I don't think that's the reason why the Packers have been losing. What's been interesting to me is yes. sort of listening to uh, the pressers out of there in Green Bay and Matt LaFleur, and they're talking to him a lot on Monday about the defense. It's like, well, what's going on with the defense? You know, the defensive – some of the defensive guys don't like what's going on. Are you considering a change of coordinator? It's like, okay, I mean, you can talk about the defense, but the Packers have not scored more than 27 points this season. Right. And Aaron Rodgers' quarterback team has not scored 30 points, and we are going into week nine. That's where the real problem is in Green Bay. Um, just to think about those numbers that you just spouted off and that they're associated with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, because normally it's like complete uh, opposite direction for this team. Uh, as we heard about Dave Ziegler speaking out in Sarasota, Florida, about some of the the trade moves and whatnot that they were, I guess, trying to embrace, which he didn't really reveal what teams they were talking to, but he did say that there was, you know, some calls that had transpired and that nothing really fit to you. Is that indicative of something like they just either didn't uh, like the value that they were getting for said player, or is it more of like, maybe they were looking for a player to player type trade and they were offering picks. What in your assessment might be what Dave Ziegler didn't like about some of the calls that were coming his way. Yeah, I guess part of it is value and, you know, it's basically what you're just saying. And what can you get back for what it is that you might offer? Um, and, you know, the, the Raiders kind of sort of still have a chance in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is very top heavy and there are some teams that have stacked some wins together. The Jets being one of those teams. Right. But I mean, you also have teams that with the Patriots that you got to compete with. Miami, obviously, is another one of those teams that I think we expect at the end of the season to be um, in there. So you don't want to uh to use this kind of weird saying cut off your nose to spite your face right was there a team out there that might have been interested in a josh jacobs yeah maybe you know i i i would be hard pressed to think that somebody wasn't interested in josh jacobs what are you going to give up for josh jacobs and what are you going to get back for josh jacobs and you got to think too the, the compensatory pick formula right josh jacobs is potentially one of those guys that if you let him go in free agency or if you don't resign him, whatever, he might give you back, get you back a fourth round pick, 
perhaps even a third round pick, depending on the contract that he gets. Now he's a running back. I don't know if he'd get that kind of big contract, but those are the things that have to factor in the calculus. So if somebody's only offering you a six for Josh Jacobs, and you know that in the comp pick formula, you could get back a five or a four, then you're not going to do that deal. Right. It, it so those are some of the things that you're probably thinking about when it comes to him. But yeah, I mean, you've got a Jacobs whose option got declined, Furl's option got declined, John Abrams got, Abram, uh, uh, option got declined. And all those guys are still on the team, and so a lot of times you see when the option gets declined, that's what makes them kind of available on the open market. Those three guys are still with the Raiders at this point, so apparently they weren't being offered any kind of commiserate value um, when on that trade market in the open thing. Right, and it sounds by the tone of what Ziggler said as well that they plan and intend to, if things keep going as they are, to retain Josh Jacobs in the coming season, which I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But for now, he's saying that Jacobs embodies a lot of things we're looking for in a football player, his work ethic, his approach every day. If Josh continues to do the things he is doing, things will take care of themselves. So we'll see uh, that coming out of Sarasota, Florida this morning with Dave Ziegler and his press conference with uh, a bunch of writers that are there and as they stayed over for the games. But um, he's been the best player on offense. Yeah. Right. Which is not something you expect to say when an offense has Devontae Devontae Adams. (laughs) Darren Waller, (laughs) even Hunter Renfro, we can throw into that group. You know, he got paid in the offseason. Sure. So the fact that it's been Josh Jacobs who did not get paid and had that option declined, I I think is interesting. And I I don't know what exactly that's indicative of, but it's interesting. All right, Miles, I want to come back on the other side, talk more about this, and then get into a little bit of Raiders talk. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Heidi Fang, Miles Simmons, the team is back together again, but Ooh. the Raiders is still on shaky ground. We have to see how they respond to what happened in New Orleans after their first shutout loss in eight years, Miles. What? I mean, there I think a lot of dysfunction <laughs> on many levels in that game. So I, I have had, I've been hard-pressed to say what one thing maybe went wrong. Mm-hmm. But you've seen a lot of football, Miles. What do you think needs to happen for this team to find its spark again? Flush that last loss. You know, it, it's 
it's a weird thing that you have to do because you do want to learn from it. And there are things that you can learn from it, but at the same time, it's like you, you just got to move on really, really quickly. And perhaps being in Sarasota and being among the team um, for the entire week where you get to bond and you're not exactly with your family as you usually would be, you know, you're not going home. Uh, maybe that's helpful for that. So that guys get to talk and they get to, you know, just be with one another and, it, it sometimes is helpful to go through something like that, you know, in the middle of the season where you're reconnecting kind of like you were in training camp. And, you know, it, it's funny, Heidi, because the last time the Raiders lost in a shutout, I was actually there at mm -hmm. the old Edward Jones Dome. It was mm -hmm. a 52 to nothing loss in 2014. Yeah, it was my first Rams. year covering the St. Louis Rams and like Trey Mason went off. And, you know, that game was awful for a number of reasons, but it, it was also the product of a team that had already fired its coach, right? I mean, Dennis Allen, who obviously was on the other sideline for New Orleans in last week's game, was fired by then as the head coach of the Raiders and Tony Sperano had already taken over. And so you're playing a rookie quarterback in Derek Carr. You're, you've got all these different things. Matt Schaub comes in and he threw one or two pick sixes, something like that. I don't know. But it, it was, it was one of those games where it was like, Oh, this is a really, really bad team. And you're kind of playing out the string at the end toward the end of the season. Mm -hmm. This was not that. And I think that that in some ways makes it a lot worse, right? You're, you're coming into this game. You've got some good vibes coming off of that Texans win. You feel like, okay, now we might start to be turning the corner. And then to go out there and to perform like that, where you're just blown out cover to cover in basically every single area, that's a troubling sign. It's just a very troubling sign to me. And, and I don't know exactly what you've got to do to correct something like that other than just flush it and say, okay, this isn't us. How can we get back to being us? And I think that that's going to involve a lot of Josh Jacobs carries on Sunday. I like that you said kind of what I said. I took the Ted Lasso approach of just watch it and fast forward because it's the only way to watch right. it. You know, Double the speed. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like, man, how, how do you get through a game and Devontae Adams has one catch on five targets for three yards? Like, what? what? Like, that doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, if you're Derek Carr and you, you look at it and you're like, how am I doing this? Like, how is this me? It, it, I, I don't understand how. I, so, you know, I mean, it's sometimes like we do this even, you know, you go back sometimes you listen to a podcast and you're like, God, I sucked. On that. <laughs> there are ones I don't listen to. I guess I'm saying like, I don't I'll listen to this one. <laughs> sure, but Yeah. And I will too. It, it, it's like, man, that. That show on Monday I did, like, that sucked. Like, how was I that bad? I don't know what it was in the preparation. Was I just off? Like, what was I thinking about? So to me, like, that's what you just have to do. You have to think professionally. Like, that's not me. How do I get back to being me? And let me make sure I'm extra on my P's and Q's. Maybe do a little extra than I usually would. You know, if it, if I'm usually you know, going to cut off the film around 8, let me go to 8.05. And just watch just a little something extra, just to be absolutely sure. I want to be over prepared as I possibly can for this Jaguars game. Right. And that's the one way of them getting back on track. The good thing, I think, is that they are in Sarasota and they are preparing just as a unit without any, you know, egg extra people around right. right now. They don't have to worry about the day to days with their families or with what's happening and in 
I guess, in terms of having all of these extra people around. That's right. just the team right now. So yes. in some ways, it couldn't be any better preparation than to just have that group together for this week to refocus. But uh, something that caught my eye, and I want to get your take on it, is with Patrick Graham's defense, Jonathan Abram played only about 34% of the snaps in the last game. Blake Martinez um, came in a little bit more. They had working like more of a four, three, yeah, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Um, with Jonathan Abram kind of not being part of his, in the previous games, he went from 90 snaps, 80 snaps. He's playing like a heavy percentage. And then the game before, I believe he was in the eighties, like 83% of the snaps. And then it went down to 34. What well, would you, know, you say that was a scheme? It was something I noticed um, early on in the game where it looked like they were putting a lot of guys in the box, to try and stop Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara still ran a lot and he caught a lot of passes, you know, and he had the best game that he's had all season. He had three touchdowns. He came into that game without a single touchdown. So I understood the approach um, from Patrick Graham, but it's got to work. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to do something like that, where you're playing more base defense, which teams just don't really do. But what's also funny this year, especially, I feel like you're seeing more teams play fullbacks you know, the, the Niners have been doing it with the alphabet soup fullback that they've gotten, Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah. Juszczyk. yeah. And then, you Price know, you've tricks. seen the Patriots do it a little bit more. You see it. I mean, the Browns, you know, what they did on Monday night, you know, they've got seven, eight offensive linemen in a, in a, on a freaking play, and they're still, boom, you know, they're still doing exactly what you want them to do. Um, so it, it's interesting to see that. But, again, if you're going to play more base defense, then it's got to work. Right. And I, 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 that's what I assumed that they were trying to do is play more base defense to try and stop Alvin Kamara to try to limit what he could do. And you, you know, he's so dynamic, but they, they didn't do it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do against a team that doesn't necessarily approach it like that. But man, Travis Etienne has been playing some damn good ball over the last few weeks. And it's a shame that the Jaguars lost that thing in London to the Broncos because he was playing great. You know, that's funny. You bring his name up. That's exactly where I was going to go next. After you mentioned Alvin Kamara and how the protection was against him. And now you have another back who is just hitting his stride right on at the right time, you know? So do you think that they adjust the way that they prepare defensively facing him or do they take kind of the same approach they had in the saints game with the base? defense looks i wouldn't be surprised to see the, the base defensive looks mm -hmm. you know just because trevor lawrence has been showing that he can't exactly be trusted when he's throwing it i mean he had some terrible terrible throws last week uh, against the broncos in that game and you know the one that really stands out to me is they were about at the goal line and I, I believe it was first and goal after a penalty. Think it was right. either first down or second down. He had more downs to play with, but Doug Peterson calls a roll out to the right. And on that play, I'm watching it. And it's very easy for me to say this as I'm watching the game on television. And I'm not, you know, on the field at Wembley Stadium in London, but it looks to me like it's a dead play. It's well covered by the Broncos. And that doesn't surprise me. They've got a good defense with coordinator Rajiro Evero. But in that situation, you're trying in some ways to catch the Broncos off guard because they think first and goal on the one, Hey, they might run the ball and try to and try to get it in there that way. So they're geared up in theory to stop the run. So you call that play because you want to say, okay, let's try to catch them off guard a little bit, do a little tendency breaker. But the beautiful thing about that play is 
if it's dead, if it's well covered, if it's not there, throw it out the back of the end zone. Let's line it up on second down. Let's get it in there, right? So when Trevor Lawrence tries to force the ball into the tight window in that situation, he's 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 killing the play because the play's already dead, right? But you can't do that as a quarterback. You cannot try to force the ball into the tight window there. That's not one of those situations where you should do that, right? right? We're not on third down. We're not on fourth down. We're not trying to make a play. We're trying to catch him off guard. And that to me is really, really troubling. And so if you're Doug Peterson, you got to think to yourself, well, you know, my, my running back just ran for over 150 yards last week. You know, what can I do to to maybe, um, hide the quarterback a little bit, if you will, a la Kyle Shanahan with what he does a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Travis Etienne is right now averaging 6.2 yards per carry. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, you might use your 4-3 base defense to try and stop him, but he might be running through those things anyway, especially given what Alvin Kamara did last week. And somebody's going to have to tackle. Yes. The Absolutely. tackling was atrocious. The tackling was terrible. Mm-hmm. And ETN's going to run through those arm tackles. He's mm-hmm. shown that. So, yeah, I mean, it's he is one of those guys that is turning out to be a really, really dynamic player. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those weird situations where you, you, you look at it last year and you're like, man, why are they drafting that guy in the first round after they have Trevor Lawrence? Shouldn't they be doing something? Like that? No, apparently not, you know? And maybe we would have been seeing this last year. If he hadn't gotten hurt. I don't know about you, but I'm just so anti running back in the first round thing generally. Yeah. I mean, generally Generally. I am too. There are special cases, but generally, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm not is if you've got a team that's like at the end of the first round, say the Kansas city chiefs a couple years ago and they draft Clyde Edwards, Alaire and they're coming off a super bowl win, right? That to me is a position where, you know, you already have at that point, right? They had Tyreek Hill. They had Travis Kelsey. They had guys that were around Patrick Mullins, but they didn't have the dynamic running back. And so if you're trying to add that element to your team and you can get him at the end of the first round, and that gives you that contractual control for the fifth year, I think it makes sense. But that's a, it's a finishing touch. It shouldn't be a building block, if that makes sense. It does. A lot of things you said have made sense, Miles. If only you could get into the minds of the coaches on the field, uh, tell them what the game plan could be for Jacksonville. We'll see. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. Uh, it's still not too late for a career path uh, that, you know. <laughs> you I, I, value, I value sleep maybe a little too much. I don't know. <laughs> I hear that it's yeah. a special it takes a special person to be able to be out there on the field that and the damn truth but we'll be back with you coming up after the game on sunday and always as always three podcasts a week here on vegas nation miles thank you so much for joining me today follow him at miles a simmons anything you got coming up that you want to talk about uh just always be sure to watch PS. FT live. I mean, it's every day uh, during the week on Peacock, which airs live at 4 a.m. Pacific. But you can catch those replays all throughout the week on the Peacock app. And also check out the Peter King podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's where I'm at. You're Mr. Worldwide. Like sort of, yeah. You yeah. are. You are. National baby. I love it. I'm so happy for you. You're the best. Miles Simmons, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on again. Give me a follow on Twitter at Heidi Fang. And again, keep up with all of the latest Raiders coverage on VegasNation.com. That'll do it for me here today. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening.
Vegas. Get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports 